Welcome to Grounded in the Word. Here in this podcast, our concern is all about the foundation or the soil of our hearts. The state of the soil or the state of our hearts, the foundation that we build upon determines everything. Just as it is with the building, if the foundation is not right, then the rest of the building will follow in suit. It will not be right. It will be unsafe, unsteady. Or if the soil that a seed is planted in is not good or pure soil, then what is grown, what is birthed from that seed will not be good, will not be pure. So we need to make sure that our foundation and our soil is good and right and pure. And that's all that we are concerned about here is just making sure that what we are planting in, the seed that we are receiving, making sure that it's going into good soil and making sure that which we are building up is built on a good foundation. I pray that you join us in this endeavor to ensure that that foundation and ensure that that soil is good. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Excited to have everyone back. Excited to be back. We took a brief intermission this last week just because of busyness of schedules. Had a lot going on, but we are happy and excited to be back this week uh going to be continuing our foundation segment obviously previously we were taking an in-depth dive into the first three chapters of genesis that has concluded the first nine episodes are dedicated to that um so we're still going to stick with the foundational the foundation segment but be a little bit more pointed about it Previously, we were using Genesis as like sort of just a backdrop, laying laying the the foundation for the foundation, you could say. Uh, but now we're going to be a little bit more pointed with specific foundational doctrinal truths. Um, and some some may wonder, well, what exactly do you mean by doctrine? Uh, because when you just when you look up the word uh, doctrine. That it really just means uh, a specific teaching. It's it's not really specific to any particular teaching. It just means a specific teaching. And so, in truth, you could have, and there are a lot of different doctrines in the world. Uh, I mean, even just religion to religion, you have the you know the Christian doctrine, you have the Islamic doctrine, you have the Buddhist doctrine, the Hindu, so on and so forth. But even within Christianity itself, we have what we refer to as denominations, which is not a biblical term. It was something that humanity came up with. So that should already be a little bit of insight to us that having denominations is not biblical. Uh, I'll lay that out there right off the the get-go. But also, within these different denominations, we have different variations of what each refers to as you know biblical doctrine um 
not to you know we all know the different denominations you know uh, catholic lutheran uh baptist non-denominational which is funny because it's still a denomination but they just call themselves non-denominational anyway um so on and so forth and we have all these different denominations that all claim to be preaching biblical doctrine but each of their doctrines is different and, and that's largely due to the uh effect of humanity's involvement humanity's fingerprint on bible doctrine and so while while they may have started with bible doctrine because of uh human reasoning because because of traditions because of this that and the other different interpretations of bible doctrine have surfaced and so that's why we have all these various, I guess you could say, ideas as to what Bible doctrine actually is. So when we say that we're going to tackle specific Bible doctrines, some may say, okay, but what, what doctrine are you, you know, what doctrine? Bible doctrine. <laughs> it's that simple. So what, so Pastor Fisher and I, are what I guess you would define, what many people define as the denomination of apostolic Pentecostal. Um, what we like to say, though, is that we're not a denomination. We are the continuation of the Book of Acts church. Um, because as apostolic Pentecostals, we endeavor to take the fingerprints of man off Bible teachings and allow the Bible to speak for itself. Allow the word of God, which is living and active, um, sharper than to any two-edged sword, um, to truly divide uh, or to set asunder the heart and soul within us. Allow to truly do its work in us without human reasoning without human tradition without cultural bias without preconceived ideas which isn't always easy uh it's very easy to approach not just the bible but anything with preconceived ideas and cultural biases we all have them we all unknowingly or knowingly operate in them so the question is how do we approach bible doctrine without preconceived ideas and cultural biases so there's really only one answer to that some might depending on who you ask they might give you a plethora of answers but really it all comes down to one thing and that's humility so throughout the bible and our topic today is not humility but i feel it pertinent to set to use humility to set the foundation for not just this episode but the episodes to come as well and the reason being is humility, approaching not just the word of God, but that's our focus right now, but approaching any aspect of our relationship with God, the word of God, prayer, fasting, worship, praise, and so on and so forth. The only way we can truly approach that outside of preconceived ideas and cultural biases is, is with humility, is when we approach God with the heart that says, God, I don't know, but you do know. 
Because the issue is when we approach any aspect of a relationship with God thinking we already know. And so we're not necessarily seeking to grow in him, but we're seeking to just be affirmed. And that can be a very dangerous place because you can be, you can sincerely believe something, but you may be sincerely wrong. Sincerity does not, does not equate to the level of something's validity. It just equates to your personal endeavor to, toward that thing. So sincerity, while it is important, we need to be sincere in our relationship with God. It is not the, it is not the all-defining, most important aspect. We need truth. We need to be sincerely in truth. And the only way we can do that is when we approach God in humility and say, as I said, God, I don't know, but you do know. God, I don't understand, but you do understand. Um, and the opposite of that, when we approach God in our preconceived ideas and approach God with our cultural biases, that is approaching God through a direct spirit of pride, which we don't have time to get into it here, but we mentioned it previously when discussing Genesis 3, the root of all sin is pride. You can look up Lucifer's uh, story in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Um, it was pride that drove him to try and overthrow God. And it was pride that led to his downcasting. And then what did, when, he went, when he was in the garden tempting Adam and Eve, what did he tempt them with? It was pride. Pride is at the root of all things because pride says... I in of myself am enough. I have enough. I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm wise enough. I, I know. I understand. It, it, pride focuses on self. What we have in and of ourselves. And so when we approach God with our preconceived ideas and our cultural biases, we're saying, I already know truth. I don't need truth revealed to me. I don't need truth taught to me. I don't need truth expounded to me. And when we do that, we are, we are closing the door to heaven. The Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The word opposes there in the Greek literally refers to uh, an army that is an active opposition against another army. So when we approach God in pride... We are literally forcing God to go to war against us. And as the Bible says, who can stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. If you, go, if you endeavor to war against God, you will lose. That's why the Bible also says that he gave them over to strong delusions. It was not, in it, it was not Satan or any other enemy of our soul that, that brought about those strong delusions. It was God giving them over to their strong delusions. And why did that happen? Because of pride. Because they refused to humble themselves. So humility is key. Humil uh, we, could say it, we could say it this way. Humility opens the windows of heaven. Humility is the key that, op that unlocks heaven. We could say it like that. Um, and so when we approach these doctrinal studies, um, when we approach these doctrinal episodes, we're going to be talking about the oneness of God, the new birth, and other various things we might breakdown of the different segments and along with that um we're gonna be like i said very pointed here in the next couple of episodes 
And here's what I would admonish everyone listening to do. Don't approach this with the mindset of, oh, that's not what I believe. And so you just shut it down. Because what we're going to endeavor to do is, again, like I said, take human fingerprints off of it and simply allow the word of God to speak for itself regarding these truths. And so I would encourage and admonish everyone to approach these next several episodes through the lens of humility. Because I, I believe that you are sincere in your belief. But as I said, sincerity does not equate truthfulness. Um, and so maybe throughout these next couple of episodes, you're going to hear something that doesn't necessarily align with what you believe. And I would pray that you wouldn't just dismiss it because it doesn't align. But I would pray that you take on that spirit of humility and, and approach, approach it with the attitude in the heart of God. I, I humbly desire your word and your truth. I humbly desire what you have to say about this. And if what I currently believe to be true is not the full revelation of truth, God, I want the full revelation of truth. And when you do that, I promise you, because the word says that he gives grace to the humble. That word grace refers to uh, uh, gifts that can only come from God. Undeserved, unearned gifts. The, the, the absolute favor of God, meaning when you approach God in humility, he just begins to pour it out upon your life. So if, you, if there's something throughout these next several episodes that doesn't align with your current belief, I'm not saying that you just take our word as law. I'm, I'm simply saying that you would approach it in humility and say, God, if this is true, then that's what I want. And allow God to speak to you, allow God to confirm it to you, and, and, and allow God to pour out in abundance in your life. And that, that's, that's how I want to set the, the precipice for these next several episodes, is just humility, having that heart and spirit of humility is there anything you want to add to that pastor fisher no that is um, very excellently put um because the bible says where there is no vision the people perish yeah. where there is no open revelation uh the people perish um when you approach the word of god you have to have a simplicity of openness mm -hmm. Lay down every other idea, thought, process, and trust God. Yeah. There's so many levels that we can get to on this, but do you trust God to show you something? And do you trust that it will be true? Because if you don't trust that God will be true and God will show you truth, then why even open the book in the first place? That's right. So you have to have that, that openness that God is going to show you something new each and every day. It doesn't matter if you've been uh, seeking His face and searching His Word for one day or a or hundred years. God will show you something new every single day. Yeah. If you're looking for it, if you're open to it, if you want it, um, and if you desire it. But 
what you were talking about humility in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. He said, "If my people, which are called by my name, yes, first he's calling those that identify with him, right? Those that identify with him, the very first thing that he's instructing them to do is what? Humble yourselves, right? Before you pray, before you seek my face." Mm-hmm. You are understand that you are the called, you are the chosen, you yeah. are the separated, you are the ecclesia, you are the ones that I, I've died for, You've, you're the ones that have been obedient yeah. to the faith. But before you pray or seek my face for anything else, because this was talking about, um, if in the previous verse he said, if I shut up the heaven, shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... There's things that are going to happen, mm-hmm. but he said even if be, not that he would either he would purposefully do it or he would allow these things to be done, because nothing happens in heaven or earth without God's permission. Right. But if these things happen, what's the key for us to receive understanding of those things? And that is for us as His people that identify with His name to humble ourselves. Yeah. That is what positioning ourselves to be open to receive what God has for us to receive. Yeah. So the importance and the heartbeat that we're trying to convey uh, in this episode and to, is, is more laying the groundwork that it doesn't matter what we talk about. If we're not open to receive, mm-hmm. then it's just noise. Yeah. Because God will, God could speak directly the, the rich man, I believe the story goes: the rich man was um, was cast into outer darkness, and he he uh, he begged God yeah. to let him come back and talk to his his father and talk to his house and and tell them that this is what judgment is and this is how bad it is. And I know I'm loosely interpret interpret interpreting that uh, that story, but. The answer was basically given, if they will not receive my prophets, right. yeah. then they're not going to believe somebody just because they came back from the dead. It'll right. be a superficial understanding. Yeah, It'll be a conditional understanding. But when you're open to the Word of God, it's not conditional, it's not superficial, it's lasting. The foundation will last. Um, and that, that foundation begins to set the, pre- uh, uh, the, the, the precedent of every step that you take after that. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, then pray, yes. then seek my face, yeah. what will happen? Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will heal their land. Yeah. Um, so I'll reverse the curse. Yeah. I can I can do anything yeah. if you approach me in the right way. Yeah. I'll, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that you're not able to contain yeah. if you approach me the right way. Yeah. So it's important how we approach God and how we receive his word. Yeah. And uh, I'll add one final thing to that, and then we'll jump into our our, our main topic here. Um, in Ezekiel, God is speaking prophetically to the prophet Ezekiel about the, the coming of his spirit. And he talks about the present state of humanity. And he says, because everything, everything in the Bible um, is ultimately a heart issue. Um, so many times we're pointed back to the heart. Um, and he, he, God speaks of the present state of humanity and our, and, and the present state of the, the heart. And he correlates it to it being a heart of stone. 
you know, when you think of a stone, what do you think of? It's, it's, it's hard. Um, it's, it's, you know, depending on how, on its size, it's not movable. Uh, you can't mold it and shape it. You have, if you want to do anything with it to change its form, you have to break it. It's not malleable. Um, and it's just, it's always just in the way. If it's a big boulder, you got to go around it. You can't move it. Um, and it's just, they're just always just in the way and it's just hard, the hardness of it. And, and stones have no life. They have no breath. They simply are. That, that's, a, that's what God used to portray the, the current state of humanity at that time. But he said that he wanted to give them a new heart. And in the next verse, he indicated that that would come by the giving of his spirit. Mm-hmm. And that new heart was a heart of flesh. A living, breathing, malleable, vulnerable, right. pliable heart. Uh, and ultimately, that speaks of a, of a heart of humility. Because humility, when, when we, again, when we approach God in humility, it, it's a state of vulnerability. It's a state of openness. It's a state of malleableness. God, if you want to change me in any, any way, if you want to reform me in any way, I humble myself before you. Know, I'm, do that in me if you so desire to. Right. Um, but as long as we have that heart of stone, that'll never be possible. Yeah. And so, and ultimately... What that speaks of is um, the difference between one who has his spirit versus not having his spirit, flesh versus stone. Uh, but even still, I, the, the, the new birth is more than just receiving his spirit. The new birth starts with repentance. With repentance without humility is impossible. Right. Um, and so I would endeavor to say that that really again the first crucial aspect of having that new heart is again humility because it's a recognition that what you have is insufficient right and that you need something outside of yourself um which again pride says i know i in and of myself am sufficient i have all that i need i right. i i whereas humility says I don't. Right. Um, so, again, just humility, a humble heart, a humble spirit. Again, not just receiving what we say and accepting it as law without, you know, praying about it or seeking God's face about it or having that heart of humility. But I just, I simply pray that you would have humility. And approach God in humility and allow him to speak to you and to change your heart if it so needs to be. So, our topic tonight, for the next 40 minutes or so, is going to focus on the oneness of God. Um, which is an interesting, um, interesting statement because regardless of denomination... Any Christian you ask would claim that they are monotheistic. However, again, depending on denomination and doctrinal stance, um, their definition of monotheism might look different. So as apostolic Pentecostals, 
who endeavor to allow the word to simply speak for itself, we believe that there is only one true understanding of what monotheism is. And that you know, our, our belief regarding monotheism is, you could say, in alignment with the Jewish understanding of monotheism. That is strictly one. No variation or division. Uh, and so we're going to start out here with Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, so Lord there, capital L-O-R-D, um, is the um, stands in for the Hebrew Old Testament name of God Yahweh. Hero Israel Yahweh our God Yahweh is one. Is how that would read with the original language. Um, so Pastor Fisher, if you don't mind getting us started on this topic here of of the oneness. Um, the the word Yahweh um, is commonly translated um, Jehovah. Yeah. Uh, he who is. Yeah. Um, so when we when we dive into that, it brings a totality um, uh, of unity uh, to that. A lot of other religions, denominations, if you will. Um, as as you've already said, have kind of deep dive into this, but some in their core even believe in one God, but they don't believe in his name. Mm -hmm. So the, um, uh, and even getting into Trinitarian doctrine, um, there is a belief that it is, um, basically they believe that there are three who's with one what. Yeah. And we believe that there is one who and multiple what's. Yeah. So there is a difference of, I guess, the, the interpretation and, um, and that as far as getting into that. So the understanding that God is one, the Bible says even the devils believe that there is one God and they tremble. Right. They understand there's, there's power. Yeah. Why do they understand that that's it? Where... Where did, let's just take the understanding, where, when the Bible talks about the devils believe that there is one God and they tremble, where did they find that revelation? Mm. Where did those devils come from? Where did Lucifer come from? Where did the third of the angels that were cast out of heaven right. come from? Where were they at? Right, in the presence of God. They were in the presence of God. Yeah. They have firsthand experience. Yeah. They were visibly there. They know. So the propagation of the seduction of spirits and the disillusionment mm -hmm. of false doctrine and, and contradictory um, uh, facts that will, uh, will come out as far as opposing um, that there is one God and, and uh, certain aspects of, of the Bible come from a group of demonic beings or angelic beings rather that were cast from heaven turned demonic and run this earth rampant trying to sway people to believe something different right so when you look at its core there and you find out where some of these doctrines all come from and where 
the original, you have to understand that they, the ones that were in heaven, believe this. Yes. So the devil wants to get you seduced and disillusioned to believe something else, but yet he has no choice but to testify of the truth itself. Right. So, um, so before we dive into those, those facts um, and some more supporting uh, ideas there, what causes somebody to not believe that that is there? The Bible says that um, in whom the God of this world, which just talked about the devil being cast from heaven, um, will try to blind uh, the world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there is a battle that is trying that is being waged for your mind yeah. that will blind your mind to see, which is exactly what we just talked about, receiving the word of God with open revelation mm -hmm. and with an open heart and be allowing God to move past the noise, past the, the distractions of what every other voice is and hone in really on what God wants to talk to you about. Um, but we find in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, um, that he blinded the minds of those that are lost. What, how does he blind their minds? This word blinded is translated to raise a smoke, to wrap in a mist, to make proud, mm. to puff up mm. with pride, to render insolent, uh, to be puffed up with haughtiness or pride, to blind, uh, to blind with pride or um, conceit, to render foolish or stupid, um, to creates this cloud around your mind through your pride. Mm. So you hit the nail on the head connecting humility with opening up this talking about doctrine because humility is the key to dissipating the fog. Yeah. Humility is the key that gives you access beyond the mess of this world. Yeah. Uh, to see what God actually has for you to, to see. Um, and it, it the this um, Greek word being translated even farther to cause or emit smoke, to raise a smoke, um, talked about there's uh, a bruised reed shall, shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. Um, there's things that, and God will send a strong delusion. There's things that, that God will allow, yes. allow to happen. Um, but it's not that he's allowing them to happen out of nowhere. He's allowing them to happen based on your response mm. to the, to the reception of the word. Mm. You receive it with openness. Mm -hmm. God's response is an open hand. Yeah. You receive it with stubbornness, pride. Um, then his response is a cloud and a mist and a strong delusion. So it is how we respond to the word of God how we respond to the man or woman of God that dictates our reward or our consequence and what the word is doing. So we are, we are liable to how we receive the word. Um, but know that there is a, a fog or mist. So there's, there's nothing. Let me, let me help some people that teach home Bible studies, making disciples. There's sometimes nothing more frustrating than knowing something, trying to convey that truth, and yet you feel there's, there's just there's no reason why they don't get it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. they don't get it. Yeah. They don't see it. All the the facts are there. Two plus two equals four. It's there's no. Right. 
you got you break that down even more you got two apples two apples and you can count them one two three four it's all right there but they are not receiving that yeah there this is not a physical game that we play this right. is a spiritual game that's right so there is a roadblock of the mind and of the heart that happens to where they are congested and smoke filled mist filled mm. um eyes that they do they will not see that mm. so rather than trying to debate the word mm -hmm. or go on the uh, aggressive offense and attack their unbelief. Um, stop attacking the, the non-believers unbelief. Yeah. It's their unbelief is stemmed from generations and cultures of right. inundating a false truth. Yeah. Don't attack their unbelief. Pray for their eyes to mm. be open. That's good. Elisha, could have done a lot of things for his servant yeah. in Dothan. He could have said, go go to go get the armor, call the captain of the guard, tell him to get a man the wall. There's when he when he got out when the servant went out there and saw the encampment of enemies right. around, he could have done a lot of things for him, but the very first thing he did is he said, pray for your eyes that they'll be opened. Because the war that you see out there is not the war that we're fighting. Mm -hmm. That's the war that the the captain of the Lord of hosts is is fighting. Yeah. That's not ours to fight. God's fighting that force. We're just we're just in the middle, and we're witnessing the warfare that's happening. Yeah. So pray for their eyes to be open. Pray for the discernment of their spirit, their heart, that it will be receptive to the word of God. Because when we talk about Yahweh, uh, Elohim, Adonai, um, El Shaddai, we talk about the the God of creation, He who is, uh -huh. He who was, and He who always will be. There's something that has to be grasped with openness and clarity that this world would want to put, draw the shades on and pull the curtains back. But what God's saying is, I came and I rent the veil. Yeah. So you would have access. Yeah. And it's no different. Salvation is no different than what he did on the cross than what we experience today. Right. God has that so we can boldly access the throne room of God and know who he is. Yeah. So there's power in his name and power in his word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in regards to um, so we a couple times we've mentioned, and I, I want to kind of address this here at the forefront. So I, I made the comment how our definition of monotheism is more so in alignment with the Jewish definition of monotheism, that is right. strict monotheism. Right. Um, you defined it well when you said one who, multiple what's. Um, and I, I want to bring a little bit more clarity to that, um, lest anyone be confused. Because, again, if we don't preach, approach things in humility, there could right. be a lot of room for confusion. When we say one who, multiple what's, we are not saying multiple, I guess you could say, like one God, multiple persons, or any such thing. Right. We are saying one God who is not only able, but has manifested himself right. in a plethora of ways. Right. As, you, as you just quickly gave a quick list there, um, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai, those are, that's just the beginning. Right. That, you know, throughout the Old Testament, you know, we have... Um, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nishi, right. uh, Jehovah Siknu, etc. I don't know them all off the top of my head. There are several. Right. Um, 
it just different they're not they're not different people within God right they are various revelations of the one God right. different aspects of that one character that one nature that one person right if you want to refer to him as a person um, one being we could say um, in each of those in each of those instances wherein God revealed himself in such a way it was based on a need that that individual had and from that they then came to know God in a new way right so for example um, Abraham and Isaac Abraham went up on the mountain to sacrifice his only son mm -hmm. and then uh, went to go lower the knife angel caught his hand um, stopped him from doing it and then Abraham, Abraham looked over and there was a ram caught in a thicket and from that moment mm -hmm. Abraham knew him as Yahweh my provider right um and so it was not a different god mm -hmm. it was him understanding god in a new way right it was a, a, a revelation of greater understanding it was a eye-opening moment you could say he was taking the blinders off. not that Abraham was blind Right. But you could almost say maybe his vision was dimmed. Yeah. And God simply allowed that vision to become a little bit more clear. Right. But one interesting thing is all throughout the Old Testament, God never fully revealed to himself to any one individual. Mm -hmm. um, even to Moses. Uh, during Throughout the, it's in Exodus 20, I believe, or somewhere around there, maybe not 20. Um, in that in that area, I know it's in Exodus. Moses is up on the mount with God. God's giving him the Ten Commandments. I believe it's for the second time. Um, and Moses cries out that he wants to see the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is the glory of God? Pastor Lane defines it as the complete and total manifestation of all the attributes of God. So literally everything that God is. Right. Okay, that that's hard to explain that's because God is eternal, right, and infinite. So when you talk about the complete total attributes of God, where do you where do you even begin? And so Moses said, "I want to know your glory." Okay, and so that's why God responded to him: "No man can see my face and live." You can't, he's summarizing, paraphrasing what he said to Moses is, you want to see my glory, you can't. You, you can't see, you can't see all that I am. You can't right. see all that I will be and will do. You can't yeah. see the totality of my nature, but I will show you my hinder parts right. or past glory. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, even showing him just the past glory, he still had to shield him for a moment and then just brief unveiling right. and then a covering again right. it was a very brief moment um and so all that god is and and there's there's so many different ways that we could talk about the oneness of god we could jump to revelation we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit um but even throughout the even throughout the old testament god is oftentimes referred to as the almighty mm -hmm. um literally to break that down all mighty having all might um and so to to term an individual in this case god as being almighty 
it means that there is no that he is a sole possessor of all might. Right. It is not possessed or owned by anyone else. Um, like I said, several places throughout the Old Testament refer to him as all that. He is a complete and total possessor of might or strength or power or ability, however you want to define that term. But then jump ahead to Revelation, Jesus is speaking, and he refers to himself as the Almighty. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we accepted, we're going to take a brief moment here, if, you, if we accepted the belief that there is division or variation or distinction within God, multiple who's one what, as you said. Right. Um, well, then you have at least two who are now referred to as almighty. That's not possible. Right. Because if one has all might, how can the other also have all might? Yeah. You can't. There's already so already there there is a contradiction that is created, right. and so and and of course, human reasoning would endeavor to find ways to explain that away. And multiple times, if you have a conversation with someone who believes in some sort of variation or division within God or the Godhead, as they would might call it, they would say, "Well, ultimately, the ways of God are a mystery, and we can't understand them." That's not biblical. We talked about this previously in right. previous episodes. God never desired to be mysterious. Mm -mm. Oftentimes, it was things were not known by humanity, but not because God desired to be mysterious, simply because humanity did not possess the ability to understand them or receive them. Right. There was, um, a, I believe it's in Galatians, Paul is writing, when the fullness of time had come. Mm -hmm. When the proper time, when the proper, proper place and time in history reached the climax, God could then begin to unveil yeah. himself in, its full, in his full glory. Um, and oftentimes, Paul, again, in his writings, references mysteries of God. But where many people misunderstand and fall short is that he'll, he'll reference a mystery, but then explain that seemingly mystery. Right. Because what was previously unknown is now known. Right. Um, and getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, we'll talk about in a future episode, but that's ultimately in relation to the spirit. Yeah. Uh, uh, unable to truly understand the things of God without, apart from his spirit. Right. Um, uh, so, and getting a little off track here, so bringing it back in. So talking about the oneness of God. So the Old Testament um, speaks of God, and it in we've already mentioned it previously, but it uses the main name of either Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on how you translate it, L-O-R-D in all capitals as our Bibles present it. Very few Bibles actually say Yahweh or Jehovah. Um and so we have this, and, and, and he is, Yahweh is referred to as many things. He's referred to as the creator, uh, the father. The father is not, a new, not, is not unique to the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament as well. Um, he's referred to as the warrior. He's referred to as the savior, um, the possessor of all things, the owner of all things. Uh, the, the one who has all power and all authority. So, the, you know, the typical attributes of God are all attributed to Yahweh or Jehovah. 
Um, and again, if you if you ask the Jew, not just back then, but even today, if you ask a practicing Jew what their understanding was or is of God, it would be that there is only one God, and they don't use the name Yahweh. Um, they use Adonai or just Lord or something of that nature. Uh, they would say that he is the only, he is he is the only under, proper understanding, the only true understanding of God. Right. That that that's it. It's just him. And this is presented all throughout the Old Testament. So, but then we can't relegate the topic of the oneness of God to Old Testament only, because we also have the New Testament. Right. Um. And so, before we dive into that, though, um, any, anything you want to add in regards to, or in, even if you want to begin us into our New Testament look into it, but anything you want to add in regards to the Old Testament um, teachings and um, truth of the oneness of God, or if you want to, like I said, dive into the New Testament of it. Um, what you were talking about, uh, as far as God not wanting to be a mystery, um, Again, how we receive God and how we receive His Word. So God, God wants to have a relationship with His people. Yeah. With with His bride. Um, if you only have a relationship with God publicly, there's limited information and revelation about God that you will receive. But it's in the references where He talks about the secret place, mm -hmm. the hidden manna those places where you go in relationship that you begin to receive more from him that is not revealed publicly. So a lot of the revelation that we receive through preaching is revelation that those men and women of God that are proclaiming the word of God have received that revelation privately, not publicly. So there's more to be understood about God than disclosing it as a mystery and God does not want to disclose these things about him um, and relationship uh, begins to unveil um, the things that God wants to direct you and they're spoken in a more sensible way to your character and to your mind and your heart tailored if I could put the, put it this way it, it's tailored fit to you mm -hmm. um, not that it meets your demands of what the Godhead is but God will speak to you to where you easily understand it. Yeah. Um, and then begin to teach others. Um, so those revelations. But God begins to manifest himself in different ways. So when Abraham saw him as Jehovah Jireh, yeah. um, begin to manifest himself in different ways to different people at different times, he was disclosing in a way his totality, mm -hmm. but spreading it across ones that would, experience him in different ways and understand him in different ways. That's why God, uh, through holy men of old and in sundry times, I believe it's in Hebrews, mm -hmm. he gave the word, inspired word of God was mm -hmm. documented. It was passed down generation to generation. And we have what we call the Bible today because it is the compilation of all those manifestations of God. Yeah, Not that he is co-eternal and, and co infinite and, and uh, cohabitating with two other gods somewhere but he is the eternal one he right. is an invisible god jesus was the manifestation of that yes. spirit yes um 
So just as much as God was God in creation, just as much as God was Jesus in the flesh, it was the manifestation of the Spirit and there, and the, um, I can't remember, it escapes me now, the actual definition, but um, the word begotten. Mm -hmm. God was not born. Right. He was not conceived. Right. Jesus was not conceived of woman. He was he was born of woman and he was begotten of the Father. Right. Begotten of the Father is something that is created by yes. God. Yes. So there was something that set him apart. It was not, again, the premise of this uh, episode is trying to remove man's fingerprints right. off of something yeah. and seeing what God's doing. That's what he did. Every There was no normality in what happened with no. Mary. No. There was God removing man's yes. fingerprint, man's pride. Yes. Joseph had nothing to do with it other than to be a good steward. Yes. God was commending him, Jesus, and saying, you will teach him and raise him, but know that he is God and he will end up teaching you. Yeah. Hence that he ran or left his parents' side yes. and was teaching rabbis in the temple at 12 years old. So there was the totality of God in him, but it was the the glimpse. And let's talk about Moses, what you just said on the mount. It was just a brief moment. Yes. But what did we get from that brief moment? If you think you can't get anything from God in right. just the exposure to his presence or to his, to his glory. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference between presence and glory. Yes. Cannot get time to no, allow us to get into the topic. Um, but when he revealed his glory yes. for that moment, yeah. I believe we got the whole book of Genesis yes. out of that. The I very believe. first acts, acts of creation, uh, 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 Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All of it. We, we got the unveiling of the worlds yes. being thrown into yes. the universe and stars being hurled out and suspended by nothing mm. but the pure voice of God. Mm. What we could preach on, and we have taken nine episodes talking about, um, and we could preach for the rest the rest of my life as a, as a minister and your life as a minister, we could do nothing but preach on the book of Genesis and yeah. relate it to every other, and just extract so much from yes. it, but... Where did that come from? Just a brief moment. Brief moment of yeah. revelation that was given. No words were spoken. Mm -hmm. Nothing was there. It was the pure, unadulterated impartation of God's glory yes. into some somebody's life. But why did it make an impact? Because Moses was desiring yes. for more. Yes. Because he saw that there was a people down there that were craving an idol, craving yes. something. And they were looking to all these different ways and reverting back to Egyptian ways of worship when he just had this on the mount experience and God revealed himself to him and, and Joshua in the Ten Commandments and the Word and was instructing him of how you can lead these three million plus people out of Egypt into a wilderness and go into the promised land. There was nerves were, I believe Moses was, was seeking help. And the fact that he only had one or two leaders and the captains and mm -hmm. everybody separated to lead the people, he needed direction. Yes. And then more so when he went down and found out that they had in a moment separated and came back. I don't mean to take up so no, much time. No, you're fine. We'll, but, make it, we'll make it a two-parter. Right. But how we engage God and how we how we go into it makes a difference. But 
the understand the impact when you get this revelation and when you find the totality of God, everything that's unloaded in the impartation yeah. of that revelation is is amazing. Yeah. And um we'll so we'll use the second part to, to discuss more in regards to um Jesus as the revelation of that one God. Because honestly that's where that's where a lot of our focus is going to be because that is how it is now. Yeah. Um, obviously, these 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 Old Testament truths lay the foundation for all that. Um, but a lot of people's confusion and misunderstanding comes from the revelation of Jesus. Yeah. They struggle to understand him in relation to the one God. Um, and so that's where we're going to... That's where we'll focus a lot of our time in the next episode. But I, I, I want to take a, a brief moment here and... So we're talking about the foundation, the foundation series, and we could go a lot of different routes. Um, and and as we begin this more focused, um, uh, doctrinal pointed episodes and discussions. Um, so why why begin with the oneness? Uh, to put it to put it just very succinctly. If you don't know who God is, how, 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 let, let, let me phrase it in a question, I suppose. How, how do we expect to interact with God if we don't know who God is? Right. How do we expect to find God if we don't know what we're looking for? Is, is another way I suppose we could phrase it. Um, and so, when we, as as we endeavor to talk about these more pointed doctrinal discussions and such, um, the the purpose of this oneness, this oneness discussion is not necessarily yes, it's to emphatically demonstrate that he is in fact strictly one, but it's also to help, I pray, bring greater understanding and revelation just regarding who he is, right? Um, not just the fact that he is one, but his nature, his character, right? Uh, the revelation of him as, uh, as the book of Revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ or literally the unveiling mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. It's, it's taking the veil off of who he is and saying, he, here it is, right. here it is. Um, and so that's really what I, what I would surmise what we are trying to do in these first doctrinal focus episodes is just endeavoring to create a thorough understanding of the mighty God in Christ, as Paul wrote. And Malachi said this in chapter 2, verse 10, have we not all one Father? Right. Hath not one God created us? Yes. So the understanding of of the Godhead and that there was was one God, um, he goes on to say, why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers. Why are we abandoning our heritage and the belief, the foundational beliefs of our people um, by fighting with one another and and going in? And um, just to add back to the, if the gospel be hid to those that are lost, um, the God of blinded minds, uh, the gods of this world have blinded the minds of those that are lost. There's, in that um, 
understanding, we also get the um, the idea that there was um, uh, well, one of, one of the translations, not just pride, but also talking about hatred. Mm. Um, so again, not to rehash something, but our emotions, um, our emotions kind of bring us into uh, how we respond to the Word of God. So. Uh, be very careful. There are some things that we look at as roots, but they are symptoms to other belief issues. Mm. Um, because when you believe the right way, it'll expose or it'll open you up to um, new understandings. Because once you once you catch who God is, His glory, His attributes, everything begins to be unveiled to you and open. Because again, let's talk about the issue of trust. God trusts you with who He is. God trusts you to show you more. Um, so one thing compounds on another and, and all of a sudden you're living a blessed life, living in the glory and living in the presence of, of God each and every day. Yeah. Well, I believe that is where we will wrap this first episode up. Um, didn't dive too much into the technicalities of of the oneness. Um, we might do that in the next part of this maybe not maybe we'll just we'll see we'll see where it goes um but just to restate here at the close um humility that's just that's where my heart is singing at right now is just just humility no matter where you're at in your walk with god even even if you listening to this i know sort of at the beginning we were kind of talking about in relation to maybe someone who is not um who does not adhere, adhere to the one god in christ uh doctrinal view even if but even if you are one who professes one god in christ um i i, I would still admonish you the same humility maybe there is a Maybe there's a more in-depth revelation of that truth that you don't possess. Maybe there's a greater level of that truth that you don't yet know. Uh, so no matter where you are in your walk with God, humility is not just the entrance into, into the kingdom. Humility is what keeps you in the kingdom. Uh, if at any point you trade humility for pride, that is a sure way out. Um, there's no quicker way out in truth. Um, so just no matter where you are, uh, as we endeavor to discuss these various doctrinal truths, I just, I just pray that your heart would be one of, uh, of humility. And we're going to endeavor to do the same, to not, to not speak with pride or a puffed up spirit, but through humility, we are endeavoring to speak. And again, I would just pray that you also have that same heart of humility. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining in with us today. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. We know that we all have busy lives and the, the fact that you took time out of your day to join us and listen in with us, it, it means so much to us. 
We pray that what was talked about today was a blessing to you and impacted you and made, made a difference in your life. And if it did, we would be so grateful and so appreciative if you shared this episode with someone you care about, a loved one, a family member, or a friend. It would mean the world to us. In Jesus' name, God bless.